in the order of sound, is there always this um, um, opposition with um, rhetoric and language and, 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 and control by language of the sensation. In the fra world, it's um, it's very much about about that in the in the broad 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 uh, world of sensation, not only the listening. And, and after this, it's more it's again in a way uh, this um, dialectic of the rhetorical man and the man body, so the, the being uh, which is uh, doomed to to die and um, operating a dialectic with a, a dreamed being that's dreamed himself as immortal. And, uh, and I think there's a, a toxicity in this, um, in this um, dialectic. And, um, and after this, uh, yeah, is exploring uh, the way of being today, where you, you push the death outside of your picture and you uh, feed yourself with hyper-present all the time. And yeah, it was just something I was, I, I was working on and drawing ideas and just became a small book and yeah, publish us and it was like worse to publish it. And Urbanomics think it's worth translating it, so it's good. <laughs> So my name is François Bonnet. Uh, I'm a director of Inager. I'm in Paris, France. I'm also a composer. I work under the project name often uh, Castle Jäger and uh, publish and write different books. I'm really um, not from the beginning, beginning because I, I started with like um, playing in bands, like uh, like um, experimental rock. But uh, as my compositional practice, I'm very much into like a studio beast, uh, very much working to to create finished pieces, and um, so I first did records. The music I was doing was for uh, records. And then, uh, of course, I did like some fixed media, like acousmatic pieces. Um, then, uh, because of the opportunities I had to play live some, in different places, sometimes uh, it was not uh, very... Uh, 
didn't bring a lot of satisfaction to play uh, a tape on a stereo system because uh, so I decided to to expand uh, my live practice so I could play live in a more like a regular venue play um, acoustic music when I've got like uh, like here in Montreal a proper acoustic system acousmonium or multi-channel sound system um, and so uh, there's different approach to that. The, the, the first is to, uh, in acoustic music, the first is really much to adapt uh, the music you built in studio or the music you, you, you compose for a special system. I, I, I'm lucky enough to, to be able to, to perform my music on the GRM Acousmonium. So most of my piece uh, are made for this acousmonium. So when I play uh, acousmatic concert somewhere else, I need to, to adapt the pieces. And um, so there's different strategies. Strategies is to, to be um, a bit loose with yourself, allowing to rediscover things. And sometimes it's not that easy. That's why, and it's back to the roots of acousmatic music, uh, sometimes um, acoustic music is just stereo and then you can uh, uh, unfold the music with the system. So there's a different strategy um, and, uh, and for my music uh, I try to, to take into consideration the place I'm going to play it in order to propose different uh, strategies or oh, I'm going to play a stereo piece and I'm going to really play with uh, the, the potentialities I've got in hand or on the contrary I'm gonna stick to what I designed for the for the original piece and try just to adapt um, uh, and it, it's it's something actually pretty hard to uh, anticipate because of course you discover the, um, the loudspeaker system discover its quality you discover the space and, and so you can do you can do mistake. That's why I'm more and more reluctant to to give away the name of the piece I'm going to play mm -hmm. uh, for the program. It's uh, I, I know I know for sure that it's uh, it's something that the programmer needs sometimes, not just to to publish his booklet. And as as a myself uh, artistic director of uh, concert season, I'm really much <laughs> um, asking the composer to tell me what they're going to play. But actually, I think it's, um, for me as a composer, it's something I'd like to less and less do and just bring all my music with me and, and just during the rehearsal decide which, which, which piece is going to be played. So uh, live is it's something much more different. Um, and. Um, I really enjoyed uh, starting to build a real setup to, to to perform live. It, when you play live, like really playing live, in my in my in my in my um, in my philosophy, uh, you try things. When you when you when you present a composed piece, it has to be well made, it has to be finished in a way, it has to be something. When you play live, you, if you really want to 
play as a, as a world playing. It's like uh, you you explore something, you explore the resonances with the room, with your feelings, with your mood, with the audience, with the context, and um, and it's something that's kind of fascinating. But at the same time, the outcome is not necessarily as good as it would be if it was something very polished. But the feeling as a musician is great. And I think it's something that sometimes uh, um, parasites the listening of people in the sphere of experimental music. That, um, and sometimes it's kind of um, uh, parasites the practice itself. Is you, shouldn't, you shouldn't fall into the, uh, too much into the joy of playing and the, and, and the, and the self um, uh, how could I say it in, in English? Uh, Self-sufficiency of it. Uh, uh, sometimes I see myself enjoying a life set by someone, not because it's great music, but because I can feel it has great fun. Mm. And I think that's yeah. it may be biased some, somehow. So it's something should be careful. But in the um, and to to finish this, I'm sorry, I'm talkative. Um, to finish on this aspect, it's some, something I, I developed um, not so recently, but it's more rare. It's playing with people, and that's that's another another layer on this resonance aspect of you resonate with uh, audience, with the context, with your own uh, spirit, but you you resonate with someone else. And um, and uh, I've been I've been super lucky to to almost only perform with great musicians because um, it's it's uh, it's not something I was doing a lot. I was not playing live a lot, and um, and um, and I'm only collaborating with close friends, and that's 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 a, a big luxury that one of my best friends are great musicians, and uh, and I'm I'm, I'm learning um, every time I play with them, and it's. Um, it's it's pure joy and uh, and uh, yeah and again the danger is okay this is pure joy this is a moment and but let's not forget that people are listening to it it should be as well rewarding for for people listening to it and that's something we really uh, I think we really uh, care about it's doing music it's for it's for it's for the audience. To me, being fixed on a seat and listening to music doesn't mean you don't have an active listening. Mm -hmm. sure. Then, uh, another thing you said, it's like uh, orientation, everybody is the same orientation and you are at the center of the desk on the sweet spot of the best mm -hmm. one. It's true for certain uh, certain part of music, it's not true for all of them. For example, uh, for the Alien Radig, all the speakers were, almost all the speakers were facing 
the walls, mm -hmm. because Elian wants no um, perception of, of, of sources. So the sound has to be interesting everywhere. It will be different uh, depending on where you sit, but it should be interesting everywhere. So that's one point with Elian's music. It's the, you're, you're, you're immersed in, in the sound, you don't know where it comes from, and if you do the job correctly, it should be interesting, so there's no sweet spot. It's the same with, um, uh, for example, the, yeah, there's two examples yesterday with, with my pieces. One is octophonic, with movements, and there's a sweet spot, because uh, it uses um, holography, which means stereophony, basically like ghost images, and then you've got a sweet spot. The other, the other piece in, is uh, 30 discrete channels. So the, so the channels stick to the, to the speakers. And in that way, there's no sweet spot, because the sources are real, so the sounds are different, but there's no um, anamorphosis of the ghost image, there's no ghost image. So the sound should be interesting, um, for everybody in the audience, you don't, you don't, you don't, you're not lo lost uh, if you're out of the of this sweet spot. So that's that's one point. I think the orientation and the um, use of sweet spot or not with this kind of demiurgic figure of the composer in the center, it's not linked uh, because you can uh, imagine, um, and it exists with uh, I won't name artists, but. Where people like in, in circles and the artist is in the center of the circle, is still the one who receives the holy spirit of music. You know, um, so that's one point. The other point is about um, this orientation. We 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 uh, at GRM we we've been invite, invited in lots of different spaces and um, and uh, and we did experiment. Um, concert venue without direction. Actually, in our, in our concert season, every year uh, we have a stage with no orientation and the, and the audience is facing the stage, it's like a square stage, and the audience is facing the stage and, the, and it's surrounded by the speaker. I would say it's different. Um, as a composer, I think it's harder to build a narrative when there's no uh, there's no direction, and then it's, I think it's no chance that it's no it's no chance that when you mention that you mention installation more than composition, um, because even if uh, and 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 there's again other other option we did we did this concert like. A, maybe oh, 10 years ago with Chris Frotten Whitman in Krems in, in Austria, where he wanted people to move. I think it works, it's just, it's just different. And, um, and the, the, the visual priority of the, the, the auditorium architecture, it's still there, it's obvious. But at the same time, we have to deal with that. At the same time, the, the, listen, the, the listening is oriented. There's no filtering from the back of the head. Your, your ears are made to listen more forward than backwards. So to me, it's not a big issue to say, let's, uh, and the thing I like uh, in the acousmatic concert is we all 
looking the same way, looking, it's not about looking, but we are all, in, we are together, which is not when you, even like a DJ, DJ, DJ concert or like rock concert when you're facing, something very confrontational, which is great for rock music, for example, because it's together, but same times, facing each other. In um, an acousmatic uh, concert, we are all together, listening to experiences, same thing. So I'm, 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 I'm interested in, in, always interesting in trying di different formats. But to me, the traditional oriented format is not that problematic. There's different steps. Um, something you don't do, uh, I, I don't do live, it's EQing, but I, I did the EQ for the rehearsal. First is to find the right spectral balance of the speakers, the coupling of the, of the speakers with the music. Um, uh, so there's a big, big uh, work of EQing just to, yeah, to, to to, to, yeah, to balance, to balance, uh, spectrally speaking. Then, um, then for the diffusion itself, it depends as well of the original format. Let's say uh, traditional acoustic music with a stereo acoustic music. Then it's 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 all about uh, mostly it's all about um, fader intensity. And then with that, you've got different techniques. You've got um, techniques of creating um, images, uh, like anamorphosis of the sound, like making swallow or reducing it. You've got like work with uh, crossfading, spatial crossfading, with playing with the masking effects to remove, to present. You can, you can narrow the image. Thing you can do is crossing the stereo as well to create uh, more animation in the depth. Uh, and, and there's a lot more different techniques, but using basically only the fader. Uh, thing you can do, um, depending on the music, depending on the system, is delaying as well. That's something you do bef bef before the before the concert. It doesn't make much more sense for us as um, for traditional acousmatic music because you, you're not supposed to play everything at the same time. But for example, the Pierre-Henri Acousmonium and Pierre-Henri Paradigm is to, to build waves of waves, sound waves. And then it's delaying, it was delaying a lot to have like front, uh, to make like, for example, nice low frequency with only like small speakers like creating like a and then you need to delay to ob obtain this kind of effects um, then you play with those qualities uh, the spectral qualities of the speakers the position of the speakers the orientation of the speakers and you yeah mostly mostly you do it by playing with the faders
most of the piece, uh, in at least French uh, acoustic uh, repertoire, is are fixed. Uh, you can have generative pieces, which are produced by by, by softwares. But for like vintage traditional music, most of them are, are, are totally fixed. And the example you, you mentioned is Cryptus. And um, basically Cryptus, it's two tapes that you play together with a delay, um, which is included within a minute, not more. So it's, and it creates, it's beating basically. So uh, it's um, and it's 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 something that Elian did not do after. It's uh, it, it's uh, it's really like a hinge between the first work, which was like more like multiple loops for installation, and the more like fixed uh, fixed piece. And Cryptus is in it's in between. Um, and uh, I actually. Honestly, I don't really know other example, at least in the JRM repertoire of piece that work like that. It has been updated like um, the Acousmonium is like the Theseus boat. I don't know if you know this metaphor. Uh, this, this idea that the boat of Theseus was is original, but it's been changed wood by wood by wood. And sometimes, uh, so at the end, it, it's the same, but there's the no no original part of it. And it's almost like that. It's been changed over time. Uh, a big change or uh, at the beginning of 2000, 2003, uh, when we started this festival Présence Electronique, where we needed like um, powerful subwoofers, when we had Panasonic, for example, <laughs> kind of needed, and uh, and more, yeah, more powerful speakers. But it's been changed every, all the time, slowly. Uh, of course, there's been a big change from analog mixing this to digital, which allowed a lot of possibilities to storing the, the, the scene for each composer, uh, adding much more complex routine, uh, allowing a lot of different things. Um, we're still very... Um, we just bought a new, a new desk. It doesn't, didn't, hasn't been used yet, but will be soon. But we... Um, we are very careful about the fader quality. Um, I don't know how you could do a cosmetic diffusion on an iPad, for example. Really need to have this uh, um, this touch. It's especially, for example, I was I was I was I was playing uh, um, Artesis uh, um, two days ago, and if you look at me, maybe people say, "Oh, he's doing nothing," but you you can, you can tell for this kind of piece that. Tiny movement can really make some changes, and um, so that's. And I think it's something that's been overlooked some, sometimes in different systems. That uh, you, you have like super nice speakers, 
and the desk has bad responses. And it's, uh, it's an instrument. Uh, and if, if you get the sensitive part of the instrument, this is a failure when you can do really like, uh, you can really do big changes, big nuances, if you have like a right, uh, the right system. In my in my history, oh, I, when I started, it was still analog. Oh yeah. Yeah, when uh, I started to play with the Cosmonium in uh, two thousand three, we still had the E two A French brand um, analog desk, but there were already um, it was fun. <laughs> it was tight, man. There were already like um, electric patch. Uh, controlled by a software, but in the basement, but the desk was uh, analog. And um, in terms of um, sound quality, we did some tests, not for example, not, not with uh, not um, analog versus digital desk, but for example, um, analog versus digital for like when you were doing like a CD diffusion. And there's no difference because there might be some difference, but we play in concert hall with two seconds of reverb, and the difference in, in terms of I don't know if it was what you were read in mind between analog and digital quality. I mean, you 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 can have it in terms of in studio in production, but in diffusion of a well um, with the right dynamic line level uh, music in a 1.5 second room. There's none. You could, you, 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 we do, uh, in studio, we do have, uh, we did, we used to, <laughs> we used to have um, analog desk, and then we used to have only digital desk, and then we are back to analog desk in studio, but why? Because um, the weak, weakest part of a digital desk were, to me, the, the preamps. And maybe not the preamp by them per se, but maybe the preamp because they are like bad, bad clock. And the clocking thing was a very complex thing if you, if you want really to, to, to make it to your digital desk work properly. And you had this difference in the, in the preamp and the acquisition of sound. But once you're in the uh, line level realm, it's almost the same. And, um, 
We used to have a nice, uh, I think it's a good compromise, uh, hybrid desk with analog um, pre-amp application stages and then surface control and stuff. And I think it's a, it's a good balance, actually. My main role, uh, I, I, as I understand it, is to keep the flame alive, um, which means a lot of different things. Uh, we are not a museum. We are, we are a place where things happen, happen right now. But as you said, we have big history. And history can be heavy sometimes, but in 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 our case, in my in my one of my philosophy as a director is to to think about this history as as a chance, as an opportunity, and not as a fixed um, uh, monument that I, I have to revere. Because amazing things have been done, uh, great things have been written, but unknown things have been done as well, and things need to be re-examined. So uh, the idea is really to, I think, the best homage we can, we, we, we can pay to, to this history is to to question it and to and to and to see how. Uh, it's still uh, relevant or not, depending on the topic, depending with, uh, with what's happening now. And, um, and so most of the activity, um, not all of them, but a lot of activities are uh, somehow driven by this dialectic of what's been done uh, where are we now? It sounds a bit abstract, but for example, you mentioned the recollection GRM. It's a perfect example of doing a new layer of um, re-examining the, the, some, some pieces from the repertoire and um, sharing them with a new audience, with a more international audience. And um, the same with the new uh, 
book, annual book we do called Spectre with the Shelter Press. It's trying to to find a way to touch people and to create and to inspire people and to to, to bring um, desire and uh, and enthusiasm with this history and. Um, in the first spectre, you can have text by François Bell, but you can have text by Stephen O'Malley or, or Felicia Atkinson. And it's very much about that. It's, it's this... I'm, I'm really uh, convinced that there's no modernity anymore. And the same with technology. Uh, uh, from, from the 50s to 2000, every 10 years, there were like a new uh, technological paradigm. And and a composer at the time, and I, I, would, I would have done the same. So it's not, uh, it's not, it's not. Uh, but as I've been very naive to think that oh, the new technology was overtaking everything. Uh, so they were doing with tape machines, then they started with analog synth. They all, all, all GRM composer had EMS synth at the time, and then DX7 Yamaha came. They all sold the EMS synth. Say, oh, it's it's bad. DX7 is great. See how it costs now, <laughs> and and then the, they sold the DX7 to buy some some computer, and uh, and now we are generation. Say okay, let's okay. We we don't have any major um, technological shifts ahead, except AI. But huh, is it something really looking forward? I'm not sure about that, but. Now we say, okay, we, it's still relevant to do like, um, we, can, we, we can totally do you know, 2020 music with a 1967 synthesizer. And, and there's so much, so much to discover with these tools, so much to discover, to, so much blending with contemporary aesthetics and all instruments. That's, they're not old, they are just uh, available and, uh, and expensive sometimes. But, um, and so it, 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 it is the same uh, with theory, with, uh, with, uh, with um, exploration of the repertoire. It's not about, um, we're not about like progress, we're not about modernity, we're more about uh, what's relevant and what's, what's um, sensible uh, now. Um, and, and so far, it works pretty well. It was it's the same with Presence Electronique. We always start with the archive piece, and kids just discover some piece by Xenakis, by James Tenney. We I remember I played uh, Fabric for Che at a concert. People were like, what is, what is, what is that? And yeah, it's, it's, it's a piece from the, I can't remember, early 70s? I can't remember Fabric for Che, to check. Anyway, it's, um, One of our mission is to it's 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 not to to to, to build an official history, but it's to tell a story and to and to share it because we have the facility to do it. We have the we have the manpower to do it. We have uh, and that's that that's something um, I think very important, and it's very much linked to. Um, To the fact that we um, 
We commissioned a lot of original work every year with young and not, I won't say emerging because it's not true. It's always still a bit established artists because it's, um, I mean, not super established, but um, I always feel that um, there's a maturity uh, needed to take the, bit, the best of what we can offer. But uh, one of the aspects I'm really interested nowadays is to, to drag artists I, I find interesting into the uh, sound composition. Uh, for example, we had Ho Kyung Lee uh, with amazing cellist and composer, but she, she, she was not very much used to create tape music and she, and she and she went for it to create a mixed piece with uh, playing with cello and her composing tape and for 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 a spatial system and and, um, and the result is amazing and same with Lucy Railton um, we, we commissioned a piece by, uh, to Felicia Atkinson because she's a recording artist and she's doing live and I said to Felicia do a concert piece um, because there's like a confusion with, uh, and I think it's, it's our fault and something I try to correct in a way that acousmatic music is not a genre. Um, it's a, it's a methodolo methodology of, of work and methodology of presentation of music. If you consider it as a genre, you would have like aesthetic um, attends or demands and or expectations. And I think it's, it's the best way to create uh, dogmas and to and to create a, a style and to and to kill it basically, because a style is relevant uh, at one time at one at one at one place, and it would be very um, arrogant to think that no, my music would be relevant uh, for ages and ages and for all the population and all the civilization in the world. No, it's something always local in a way. Even if some uh, composer um, and some music can be more uh, touch a wider audience because of the specificity, I'm thinking of Aliens music, I, I genuinely think it can touch most of the people. But, uh, so yeah, uh, if, 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 you, if you transform this idea that electroacoustic, acoustic music is more like a a way of thinking about music, which means doing music with sounds and doing music for listening, not for dancing, not for drinking beer, which is fine. I mean, uh, uh, I like to go to some concert where I don't need to be 100% focused. But to me, acoustic and electroacoustic um, setup is made to be um, um, shared with a listening, engaged audience, and that's 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 what we try to do uh, at GRM.
Yeah, it's. I think it's pretty common. I, 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 uh, I'm classically classically trained, but not at super high level. I was learning piano, solfeggio, and piano when I was a kid uh, until I'm a teenager, and got got sick of it. Because I think the teaching of music is pretty, pretty terrible. Just uh, rules, rules, rules. Where to me, music is exactly maybe the, the only thing that can. Um, I, I, I don't have a lot of definition with music, but maybe one of the place you can break rules or you don't, you don't, you don't use rules anyway. And so I got kind of sick of this training and and yeah, starting to starting to play the bass guitar and uh, so I bought bass and the seller told me I'll see you next year I'll sell you a guitar I was like no I want to play the bass one year after I came back and bought a guitar because I didn't have any band and playing a bass alone is pretty rough <laughs> you have to be really dedicated to that it's like I wasn't so yes I started to learn the guitar by myself and uh, starting to play with friends and doing concert and starting to listen to, yeah, um, post rock or people like Tortoise or Gaston de Sol, Del Sol, Jim Rock. And um, yeah, then playing with that, starting to trying things with uh, effects and more and more. At one point, just even not plugging the guitar, <laughs> just playing with the effects. And, um, and at the same time, I was, I was kind of discovering uh, by myself, um, thanks to a very nice public library in my, in my hometown, I started to, to, to grab every CD I could in the, in the new music section because it was, a, it was a section that nobody cared about. And, I already have this spirit of, oh, nobody cares about it, I'm gonna care about it. So I was listening to John Cage, uh, François Bell, Pierre-Henri, but just randomly, and, um, um, and starting to build my culture through that. And, um, and what really uh, structured that was, um, that I, uh, I started studying sound engineering, and uh, and one of my first teacher was a big um, big fan of GRM. I, I knew of it because I knew of uh, I, I knew the work of François Bell and, and, and John Cage, but I did uh, John Cage and Pierre Henry, <laughs> but um, I didn't know that was still existing. I didn't know it was still doing something, and I was say, oh, the, the place we were I, I was studying say. Well, the next next side of the river of the Seine, there's like a Radio France and there's concerts regularly, so you can go. So then I went to this concert, discovered this um, the setup and everything. And um, yeah, that's that's how I, I I got into this very like GRM um, uh, acousmatic uh, aesthetics, but I was contaminated by different things before by people like when I talk about Gaston Delson and Jim Oak. Jim Oak knew very well GRM music. He visited GRM when he was very young 
And so it was kind of looping things together with... Um, So I would say my, my, my real influences are more like the experimental um, scene, uh, digesting GRM and going back to GRM, it's kind of a looping effect. Looping effect. Uh, so, yeah. and got upcoming uh, records, a new, new record with Jim O'Rourke and uh, some solo projects um, should be out in 2020. So yeah, I've got like another um, another translation of one of my last book called After Death, which is not about 
summer music at all. Infra, the infra world, well, well, not about that as well. It's not. It's parallel, but not so. Not so much. Uh, I was. I was mentioning this public library when I was uh, discovering um, this kind of music. The other thing I was discovering is philosophy. Uh, I'm not classically trained in philosophy. I'm not an academic in philosophy. I I I, I studied after aesthetics and art science, which are kind of linked with philosophy, but not like hardcore philosophy. So I just read philosophy by myself uh, since, since I'm 18. And when I was working on Les Mots et les Sons, The Order of Sound, there's some um, problematics that just derived, some, some became the infra world, and s some other remotely so, but not so much if you, if you, if you really... I understand myself, so maybe it's clear about me. No, it's always about this, in, in, in the order of sound, is there always this um, um, opposition with um, rhetoric and language and, 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 and control by language of the sensation. In the Ifra world, it's, um, it's very much about, about that, in the, in the broad, broad, broad uh, world of sensation, not only the listening. And, and after this, it's, more, it's again, in a way, uh, this um, dialectic of the rhetorical man and the man body, so the, the being uh, which is uh, doomed to, to die, and um, operating a dialectic with a, a dreamed being that's dreamed himself as immortal. And, uh, and I think there's a, a toxicity in this, um, in this um, dialectic. And, um, and after this, uh, yeah, is exploring uh, the way of being today, where you, you push the death outside of your picture and you uh, feed yourself with hyper-present all the time. And yeah, it was just something I was, I, I was working on and drawing ideas and just became a small book and yeah, publishers and it was like worse to publish it and urban mixing, it's worse translating it, so it's good. Great, well, I think uh, there's been a lot of talk lately about uh, the, the problem of the future or inability to think about the future and certainly the intense presentism. Uh, I think more people are realizing that uh, so I think the technologies obviously play a role in the language of technologies, but we are in this kind of stupor of this eternal present uh, or otherwise lost in the past, so there's space to think about uh, to